0: 2020 is not only a leap year, it's also the year of that other four-yearly event, the Olympic Games, held this year in Japan and and oops, sorry it's just the the mic that has fallen off. Mm, I don't see the other bit, pulled it here. And so once again we're going to have the opportunity to ooh and ah as we see all these young people pushing their bodies to the limit as they run and jump and swim and do all sorts of things, all all hoping for that gold medal. What we see of course is the actual event, what we don't see Is the preparation. And out of sight of the rest of us, these young people, well they're spending their time hours in the gym, hours running on the roads in all sorts of weather, honing their bodies for the big event when they all hope that they'll be the one to take that medal. It's ours And yes, years of preparation. And that is what James is calling us to. Not physical training, most of us will be glad to know, but to constant and faithful spiritual training. Something that makes us spiritual athletes. And that's something that regardless of our physical condition, regardless of our age, is open to each one of us. I wonder if there's anyone here that started on a course of physical training with great intentions and after a short time, well, it's petered out. I remember quite some time ago now, When my dear husband came in and told me he had put my name down at a leisure club (laughs) I could have killed him. (laughs) I did it for a while but always remember the first um, time we went after Christmas and New Year the gym was packed. You had to queue up to use the machines. All these people with their New Year resolutions were going to get fit, we're going to lose weight, <coughs> everything's going to be wonderful. By February, well, numbers were more manageable. And by March, <laughs> we were back to normal. All the new year resolutions had gone by the board. Can the same be said of us, of our spiritual lives, our spiritual resolutions? If so, James is right on our case. Verse 22, he says, stop kidding yourselves. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. It's been said that if a Christian sins because Satan deceives him, that's one thing. But if he or she sins because they deceive themselves, that is a far more serious matter. And how easy it is to deceive ourselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are people who deceive themselves into thinking they're Christians when they're not. Having your name on a church roll and living a good life, even working in the church, does not a Christian make. Only one thing accomplishes that, And that is a life-changing surrender to Jesus Christ, being cleansed of our sin by his blood, and thereafter, allowing him to remake us from the inside out. We're all familiar with the metamorphosis that occurs when a caterpillar spins its cocoon, then emerges, as a beautiful butterfly. From an ugly bug comes a thing of beauty. So it is with us, when we surrender ourselves to Christ, the metamorphosis occurs, and we who had been lost in the ugliness of our sin are reborn as children of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and it is Jesus' will that as our lives are lived out in his strength, the beauty of his character will be seen in us, a metamorphosis indeed. And James says, if that's not you, stop kidding yourself. (laughs) James tells us that we have three responsibilities towards God's word. And if we fulfill these, then we'll have an honest walk with God. First of all, then, we have to receive the word, verses 19 to 21. And that calls for humility but it's a mark of maturity when a person faces him or herself honestly and admits their needs. It is immature to pretend that everything is fine when it's not, and spiritual reality results from a proper relationship with God through his word. So first of all, We have to receive the word and then we have to act on it, obey it. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. The word of God can't work in our lives unless we receive it in the right way. Jesus said in Mark 4 and 24, consider carefully what you hear. And in Luke 8 and 18, he said, consider carefully how you listen. Sadly, many people are in the situation where they hear the word, but it doesn't seem to have any or much effect on them. They never seem to mature as Christians. Is it the fault of the preacher? Maybe. Perhaps, but then again, at least some of the fault may be in the hearer because they have allowed themselves to become dull of of hearing, as a result of not nurturing their spiritual life. There's no spiritual training going on. So as Christians, they become flabby and unfit. And if the seed of the word is to be planted in our hearts and bring forth fruit, we must be swift to hear, to hear God's voice, just as surely as a mother is quick to hear her baby's slightest cry and we must be slow to speak. It's often said that we have two ears and one mouth, and which one do we use the most? Apparently in the early church services were very informal and often listeners would debate with the speaker, I'm not suggesting anything, <laughs> but as, as a result there would not only be shouting matches but it could actually result in fights and it wasn't unknown for wars to result among the membership. That couldn't happen today, could it? A wayside pulpit once had these very apt words. Temper is such a valuable thing. It's a shame to lose it. Don't get angry with each other, but much more importantly, don't get angry at God or his word because it tells us what we don't want to hear. (coughs) How do we prepare our hearts to receive God's word? By confession of sin and asking and receiving God's forgiveness in an attitude of humility. Humility is the opposite of human anger. And when we accept the word with humility, We don't argue with it or try to conform it to our thinking. Next, we practice the word, verses 22 to 25. James now compares God's word to a mirror. All of us, I think, use mirrors. Some people are addicted to them. I remember many years ago, a minister of mine in the, I was young in the days when ladies always wore a hat and I remember him saying that he was quite sure that for a woman hell was a room full of hats and no mirror. In a mirror we examine ourselves, what we look like as we've already said Is there a smut in our faces, our hair standing up in end? But in the mirror of God's word, we see ourselves as we really are. And James says that one of the mistakes people make, some people make, is that they merely glance at themselves rather than study themselves in God's word. It is merely a religious exercise to read the scriptures every day if we fail to allow what we read to show us ourselves. And a cursory reading of the Bible will never reveal our deepest needs. Think of the difference between a photograph and an X-ray. Some people look in the mirror, then promptly forget what they saw. When we look deeply into our hearts, what we see is unforgettable. Remember the response of some of the saints of old when they looked into their hearts. Isaiah said, woe is me. Peter said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And Job, that most righteous of men, said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And then there are those who fail to obey the word. To use God's mirror profitably, we must gaze into it, carefully. We must examine our hearts and lives in the light of God's word and then act in accordance with God's word. Patients often nowadays complain that doctors don't give them the time they used to and that while they the patient of still speaking already the doctor's writing out a prescription. Jesus, the great physician, examines us using his word. And he wants us to give him sufficient time to do the job well. And after seeing ourselves, we must remember what we have seen and what we are, what God says, and follow his prescription. Doctors often complain about patients who don't take the prescribed medicine, or they don't keep doing it, or they don't make the lifestyle changes necessary for good health. We have God's prescription in his word, and we must take that medicine, do his word. And when we do that, verse 25, we are told we will be blessed in what we do. The emphasis in James is on practice of the word. Examination is the first ministry of the mirror of the word. The second is restoration. For the mirror of the word not only examines and reveals our sin, our need, but it helps to cleanse us as well. It gives the promise of cleansing as we meditate on God's word and allow it to cleanse the heart and mind from spiritual defilement and in its place, give us spiritual refreshing. And thirdly, it brings transformation. After God restores us, he wants to change us so that we will grow in grace and not continue in sin. And when the child of God looks into the mirror of God, which is his word, He sees the Son of God and is transformed by the Spirit of God to share in the glory of God. There is that metamorphosis of which I spoke earlier. There is a change on the outside that comes from the inside. In Romans 12 and 2, Paul exhorts us, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when the believer spends time with the word, meditating on it, the Holy Spirit renews the mind and reveals the glory of God. Our first responsibility is to receive the word, our second to practise the word, Otherwise, we are deceiving ourselves. And the third is to share the word. Religion here means outward practice. Pure religion has nothing to do with ceremonies or even special days. It means practicing God's word and sharing it with others. I remember reading that every Christian should preach a sermon every day and, if necessary, use words. We preach that sermon by what we are, but of course our words should also show the presence of the spirit within. James has much to say about the tongue, And I think we all know that the tongue used wisely can bring great blessing. Used unwisely, it can bring great hurt and devastation. It is the tongue that reveals the heart. And if the heart is right, the speech will be right. And along with right speech is right service. It's been said that no one is an island and how true that is. What we do or don't do impacts on others. And as believers, our service is not merely to others, but to Christ himself. Jesus himself said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you give it to me receive the word, practice the word, and share the word. I pray that all of us will rightly use the mirror of God's word, that we will look into it long and intently, and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us day by day into the men, the women, the young people, He wants us to be. Amen.